welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. A few quick things before we just get to the message today. Um, number one, our women's retreat's coming up really soon. Um, v, what are the dates again? of March, which is going to be great for those of you that don't know, but we have a property out in Marysville, which is kind of like a hotel conference centre, which we've been really blessed to have. And so um, we're all, well, when I say we all, I mean the women are getting away and um, and they're going to have a wonderful time um, up at Elkana, and, uh, which is in Marysville. Please register. We don't want uh, there to be any limitations for you going. So if finance specifically is one of those, speak to someone close by. Um, you might be a bit personally embarrassed to have that conversation. We want to help you get there and get rid of all those barriers for you to be there. It's going to be a wonderful time. When I say Elkana, for the, most of you, a lot of you have been up there um, and know what it's like. Um, when I first heard about Elkana, um, I thought Christian campsite. And I thought to myself, um, you know, this is before I'd seen it. I thought Christian campsite, you know, there's going to be spiders everywhere. There's going to be, you know, bad beds, you know what I mean? Splinters just climbing up onto the bunk beds, all those sorts of things. But it's not like that. It's basically brand new. Have a look at it on online, elkanaretreat.com.au. And um, it's beautiful. You'll love it. It's like, it's good. So the beds are brand new. Literally, quite literally, the beds are a couple of months old, so you're going to enjoy them and, you know, it's comfortable. That's what I'm saying. Every room's got its own, like, anyway, it's full five-star Christianity. And on that note, I want to talk about the problems with the prosperity. No, I'm joking. (laughs) We'll be there. Don't worry about that. But um, it's good. So please register. And um, husbands, does that mean you have to babysit your children? No, you don't babysit your own children. You look after them to release your wife or significant other. That's how I get an amen in the church, is just say something like that. Oh, it's good. Um, You mean I've got to babysit the kids? They're your kids. I do enough. Look after them. Um, Oh, the women women didn't say amen on that part. But I know deep down they're like, "Mm, it's a word of knowledge. Um, And so that's coming up. For those of you um, also that don't know. Um, We don't hand kind of the buckets out in church for giving. If you want to give, you can head to empowerchurch.co forward slash give. And all of the details there are there for you to give electronically. If you don't want to give by cash, um, we don't quite have the giving um, station set up because some stuff's still across the road and all those sorts of things. If you do want to do that, um, we'll make provisions for you to do that for next week. And um, if that's the way that you want to give um, in by cash, you can do that. Um, but we do just want to thank you for your giving and for your faithfulness around that area. Certainly um, has allowed us to do the things and continues to allow us to do the things that God's put on our heart to minister to our 
church community, but also the broader community. So wonderful, wonderful, excellent. Are you ready for a message today? Good times. My wife, who's running our e-kids today, said, can you please finish on time? Um, Because we're in that room and I'm running kids and, um, you know, we're trying to go on a bit of a health kick and so she hasn't had carbohydrates for a few days now. And um, just pray for me, would you? Um, Oh, good times. I want to, I um, I'm not sure how long, how many weeks this is going to go for, um, but I, I want to start um, at least two weeks of a uh, message series called Risky Business. Just look at your neighbour and say, Risky Business. Risky Business. Risky Business. And I want to talk to you about Risky Business because I want to start having a conversation with us as a church community that engages um, not your faith in this building, but really engages your faith for your workplace and for your home and for your community and for the place that you feel God's called you to be a minister. We have a saying in this church that we are a church full of ministers, not members. And I believe that as we mature, you never graduate out of being a disciple. We're always learning. We always need to be actively pursuing uh, teaching and, um, and, and an external voice outside of our own little bubble, our own little life, our own little mind. We all always need to be um, really pressing into this idea of uh, I need to be discipled and I'm hungry to learn and I want to grow in the things of Jesus. I want to learn new things and develop in ways from the inside out. I want to grow in my personal relationship um, because I want to come to a place where I'm a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And as we mature, we, we, we don't graduate from being a disciple, but certainly as we mature, we grow into having two titles where we are a disciple, yes, but we also grow into this place where we are now disciples. And that's why we say every Uh, a church full of ministers, not members. It's really acknowledging that as we get closer to Jesus, we begin to get His heart for the people that we have dinner with every night, that we sit next to, or at least virtually over Zoom, and we rub, um, you know, digital shoulders with while we're still coming out of um, all of our lockdowns, or or the person that we see in the park or at the grocery store. And it's about this idea that we're acknowledging that as we grow and as we continue to surrender our lives to Him, God places a demand on us to take that good news and that good work that He's done inside of us, that salvation that we have freely received. Now we have a commandment, we have an obligation as followers of Jesus, freely you've received, freely go and give. Being a Christian is really about understanding especially in this day and age, but it's about understanding that you, you're, you're in risky business. You're in a risky business. This is, there's some risk associated to being a follower of Jesus. And today, and specifically, I wanna talk about prayer next week and uh, risky prayers that we can pray. But really what I wanna talk to you today, I wanna lay this foundation before we go to first, um, first Kings chapter 17. But I want really what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help you 
um, expand your vision and your belief in how God wants to use you. Not how God wants to use me. Not how, well, you've got all the right skills, Matt, and you can sing and you can, you can dance. I can't, but anyway, I've added it to my repertoire by faith. You can, you can do all that. That's, that's how you do it. But see, the problem is, is I, I don't rub shoulders with the person that you rub shoulders with. And so I can't minister to them because they're probably never going to come to this church. And so we don't want to be a church that's trying to fill the pew. We don't want to be a church that's trying to fill um, the world with the church. Rather, we want to be the church that is filling the world with God's glory and His kingdom. Can I hear an amen? But in order to do so, you need to realise that you've signed up. If you're a part of Empower Church, you've signed up to be in a risky church, in risky business. When I say business, I'm not talking about like you have an ABN, Christian ABN, ACN, Australian Christ number, whatever. <laughs> I'm talking about, I'm talk- that was real courtesy laughs, thank you. <laughs> I'm talking about like when Jesus said in Luke chapter 40, 40 chapter 2 verse 49, He says, where are you going to find me? I'm going to be about my Father's business. And it's this idea that wherever you go and whatever you do, you and I are engaged in purpose. If you're a nurse, you're engaged in purpose. If you're a missionary in the traditional sense of the word, you're engaged in purpose. If you're an eConnect leader, you're engaged in purpose. If you're a single parent raising some kids, you're on, you're in that place on purpose. You're leaving your life with an agenda, which is to get the kingdom of heaven into that place and bring an influence into that place that God's called you to. You know, for the, I want to clarify because I, when I talk about risky business, I'm not talking about you and I being saved. Can we read, read a few scriptures quickly? For followers of Jesus, the final risk is gone. And this is actually what makes being a risk taker in this life much easier. Because the final risk is gone. Romans 8 chapter 1 says, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 38 to 39 says, Neither death nor life will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can we go, can we get a little bit more crazy? Some of you, I quote, some of you will be put to death, but not a hair on your head will perish. That's Luke 21, 16 and 18. Whoever believes in me, John eleven twenty five, 25, not John three sixteen. we know that. I'm not talking about are you loved. I'm talking about you understanding that you've got a place, you've got a purpose, you've got a destiny, you've got a ministry, you've got something powerful to walk out in this time. And it might not be comfortable. Listen to this scripture. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And Christ calls us to take risks for kingdom purposes. Almost every message of the Western slash Americanized consumerism says the opposite. 
It says to maximise comfort. Get it? If you've got a good sofa, there's a new one coming out that's electric and you need that. If you've got an iPhone 13, is that the latest one out? There's an iPhone 14 coming. Come on, somebody. And, and our world is constantly indoctrinating us with this idea that we need to be as comfortable, maximise comfort and security now, not in heaven. But Christ doesn't sing that song. That's not the chorus that He pumps out. The chorus that He sings is to every timid saint wavering on the edge of some dangerous gospel venture. He says, fear not, Luke chapter 12 verse 4, fear not, fear not, you can only be killed. (laughs) So encouraging, isn't it? Look at you guys. Um, yeah, yes, absolutely. Fear not, for I am with you, says the Lord. We know the song. I went, I was in church in the 80s. Come on, somebody. Fear not, for I am with you. For I'm, we're losing it. Call it old age. Fear not, for you can only be killed. In other words, we're not building up for ourselves comfort here in earth, but rather for treasures in heaven. The reason why we're talking about risky business today is because I want you to expand your horizons of belief in who God is and realise the thing that He's called you to. Mate, the glory when we get to heaven on the other side of this life and we're all gonna be there at some point in time. The The treasure that we store up in heaven is gonna be far more satisfying than the treasure that we store up in earth. Yes, by all means, be full of joy and peace and love and the Holy Ghost, but be a risk taker. Be prepared to walk into unknown places for the sake of the Kingdom of God. And I want to publicly apologise, and you, you know that this is my heart, but I want to publicly apologise because as a Christian pastor in the Pentecostal church, we preached for attending, not sending. And so we've preached and we've tried to get the most comfortable environments. We've tried to make sure, we've prayed that the weather would be good so that people that say they love Jesus wouldn't take their boats out on the weekend. You know, nothing wrong with that. If God's got a boat, let's go. But, but you know what I'm talking? We've preached, we've preached about comfort. We've preached about attending rather than preached about sending. Our value has been on how can we get you in here, but our value, that was never Jesus' value. Jesus' value and what He preached was, hey, you don't need to take much. You don't need to take much, but just go and take the Gospel, take the good news of Jesus. We've preached comfort instead of crucifixion. We've preached stuff instead of radical surrender. Come on, I told you we were going to get crazy this year. We've We've preached possession. We've preached a possession instead of my life is not my own. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul in the process? We've preached gain the whole world instead of saying, come on, radically lay down your life for Jesus. Why? You might die. Why? You might go without. But why? Because it's 
worth it. I haven't even got to my text today. Let's go. Let's, let's read this. You ready? Uh, first, first, uh, first Kings chapter 17. My wife's going to come in here soon. We're going to read from verse number one. I want you to look at this text this, this afternoon and I want you to see the star of the text. I've often read this and I've preached this to build a faith in people. Um, you know, the, the primary characters in this story is Elijah the prophet. We know a bit about him. We'll talk a bit about him in a moment. And he's one of the stars of the text. He's a man of God. He's a man that right now has prophesied as the Lord put in his heart to declare a drought. And he's been praying. He's been praying radically. He's been praying like a crazy man that, that, that there would be no, no rain at all. Not just is there no rain. His prayers are so effective that the Bible says there's not even any dew. There's no moisture in the air. Crops cannot germinate. Uh, uh, the, the economy is, is struggling three years into this drought. This, we, Elijah is an amazing man. We, could, we can find a lot about who God is and what God does and how God's encouraging us through the life and through the story of Elijah. There's also another character within the text and she's a widow. She's a woman that has nothing. There's some scholars write that maybe this woman was a woman uh, that the reason why Elijah recognised her is because maybe her husband died but was one of the, uh, a part of Elijah's school of the prophets. She has a quick recognition of him, which you'll see in a moment. We've often preached that she's definitely a, a star in the story and she is. We could talk about Elijah. We could talk about this woman that had nothing but just a little bit, but said yes to the Lord and it became much, became provision for a life. And what a powerful, what, a, what an appropriate message that would be. But today I wanna zoom in on another star in the story. And that other star in the story is what I just simply want to call the Word of the Lord. The Word of the Lord. And today, for today's message, we're talking about risky business. I want to talk to you about the risk of saying yes. The risk of saying yes. And Elijah, verse number one, the Tishbite, of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, except at my word. Then the word of the Lord, there's the star of the, of the story. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, did you see what happened then? The word of the Lord came to Elijah saying, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook of Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook and I've commanded ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. There's the star again. For he went and stayed at the brook of Cherith, which flows into the Jordan and ravens, check this out. This is the first record of Uber Eats in the Bible. Ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Now it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. 
He's the star of the story. Again, verse number eight, the word of the Lord came to him saying, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. I want you to know it was an honour for um, for many people, but especially in this time, it was an honour and seen as a sacred privilege to bring a glass of water to a stranger, right? And so this is what she does. She said, she, um, and verse number 11, as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, she recognises who he is, right? As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go as you do, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterwards make some for yourself and your son. And thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she did, she and her, sorry, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Father, in this time, let it just be to the point, let it be concise. Let it be something that um, just brings transformation. Let it be something, Father, that helps us engage with you on a deeper level. More than anything, Father, uh, we, we just want to learn how to be better followers of you, Jesus. And so we humble ourselves. We know that there's stuff, there's junk, there's mess, there's generational stuff that we need to just bring before you. There's stuff we were doing yesterday that we need to bring before you. There's attitudes and there's things in our heart. Lord, And we, we need your miraculous, your transforming power to come and do a deep work within us. So we humbly submit ourselves to your word and we come before you and we ask for you to speak to our hearts, change our lives and let your presence be made manifest here today. Amen. Quickly, come on, let's go to work. It's an interesting story. We're talking about the risk of yes. The risk of yes. The setting here, as I've um, explained a little bit, but I do want to dig a little bit deeper because I want to see you some, some, I want you to see some truths here that God's trying to show you and me as we position our lives to be a yes to Him. Can I, can I encourage you, uh, no matter what age you are, you might be, my daughter Hallie might be the youngest one in the room. I'm not really sure whether, no matter how young or how old you are, there's a yes that Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, is inviting you to participate in His plan for the earth. And there's a yes that you and I must respond to His voice and to His calling. Are you with me?
The goal of this, thank you for that, yes. The goal of this message today is to bring you to a place where your heart is open enough to look at the impossible thing that the Lord is leading you into and still say, The the goal of this message today is to bring you to a place where you can look at the things you do have, the skills that you do have, the provision that you do have, and you can look at the uh, you can look at what God's calling you into, and you can measure the you can measure the what's the word you can measure the um, you can you can measure how little resource you have in light of the massive thing that God's calling you to do and you can still say The goal of this message today is that you would open up your heart in such a way that Holy Spirit would transform you so that as you stare in the mirror, as you're brushing your teeth in the morning and as you're challenged with all these these uh, kind of lies of inadequacy, as you wrestle with your own humanity, as you look at your life and all you see is failure and all you see is what you're not, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would do something in you today that even in that mirror, you'd be able to look at the person that, that, that all these lies have told you are inadequate and you'd be able to still say, yes, yes. The setting here is Elijah is being fed, man. It's been crazy, right? Uber Eats is happening. A raven is bringing every day. Like, I just want to know what sort of meat is happening. What sort of meat is this raven actually bringing? Like, is it in a paper bag? What's going on there? Is it in his mouth? That would be a little bit questionable. I'm not really sure. Is it a filet mignon? I'm not sure. Has it been stolen from some restaurant down the road or has it come straight from heaven? You know what I'm saying? I don't really know, but that's where my crazy mind goes at times. Because I'm thinking, where's this bread? Where has this come from? And the truth is, is it doesn't really matter where it comes from. The truth is, is where it came to. And it came to Elijah being in the place that God wanted him to be. What's interesting is Elijah is in this place called Cherith. Now watch this. That word Cherith means to be cut off or to be overlooked. And God has him in this place hiding, not because he's fearful of Ahab, not because he's necessarily fearful of what's going on, but he has him hiding to protect him so that he can continue to sustain the the prophetic word through prayer. That's another sermon in itself. As he continues to pray that that the, the drought would continue. But he's in this place called he's in this place called Cherith, which means to be cut off. This is good for us because I reckon we feel like we've been cut off many times. I'm not talking about in traffic. If you're driving near uh, Ben and he's just cutting you off in traffic, I'm not talking about that. And he's prone to do that though. I'm talking about being cut off. I'm talking about being isolated. I'm talking about feeling like, wow, all these miracles are happening here, but I'm cut off here. The Bible says that he's cut off. And what's even worse is the word of the Lord comes to Elijah and he says, I want you to leave from that place that's called cut off. And I want you to go to this other place called Zarephath of Sidon. And Zarephath literally means, it literally means refining. Hallie, I'm timing how long you're going to be gone, all right? Pastors, kids, man, they got it tough. I'm just joking, you do you. 
Zarephath now has gone from Cherith, which means to be cut off. Come on, focus people. (laughs) To this place of Zarephath, which means smelting. It means refining. It's where things are melted down. Not just Zarephath, but Zarephath of Sidon. Sidon means to be hunted down. So it's not just like this kind of, um, it's not like a nice refinement. There's an aggressive pursuing about your refinement. You're being melted down. To make matters worse, Zarephath of Sidon is actually Jezebel's birthplace. Ooh. <laughs> Jezebel is a woman in the Bible, or specifically in this story, that is, that is Elijah's and really God's works enemy. Not just Elijah's enemy, but really the star of the show, Jezebel, is at war with the star of the show, the Word of the Lord. And this is where he finds himself. Elijah comes into a place, this place, Zarephath, the town of Jezebel, a Phoenician territory where there's Baal and pagan worship happening all around him, where there's this antichrist, anti-word of the Lord's spirit happening all over the place. And God calls Elijah from the place he's in into that place. God doesn't call him into a Sunday afternoon in the Preston Salvation Army Hall at 3pm on a Sunday where it's all praise the Lord, hallelujah. God calls him into a place that's extremely dark and occultic, an evil place, a place where Jezebel's demonic influence is starting to grab hold of the atmosphere and the society. Mix that in, good girl, hello, Helen. Mix that in with the um, mix that in with the pressure of what a drought and a economic crash brings. And all of a sudden you have a messy place, you have a crazy place, you have a place that's that's people are trying to do what they can. This woman in the story is just trying to find a couple of sticks. Sticks are rare because trees aren't growing. And this is where God sends Elijah. And I believe prophetically that this is what the Lord is saying. I wrote this down as I was preparing. I believe that this is what the Lord is saying. I'm sending you as the light of the world into the darkest places of society. I'm not sending you as a light into places that are already illuminated. I'm sending you into dark places. I'm sending you as water into wildernesses. I'm sending you as life into tombs. I'm sending you as the word that Jesus speaks out of his mouth. I'm to Lazarus, Lazarus come forth. I'm sending you into some of those dark places. When we're thinking of ministry in the West specifically, we're thinking, man, awesome. That means I'm going to be on staff at a church sometime. It's going to all be yippee, yippee, yay, hallelujah. This is great. 
But we've got to change our mindset because I believe that God's power is gonna be released into places and spaces and community groups. God's gonna call you to befriend Muslims and those that are uh, away from God all so that you can bring the light of His love, the message of the good news of Jesus, not into these happy, clappy places that already have it, but into some of these places that need the love and the power of Jesus. The world are desperate for the church to stand up and take her place in this world. Now is the, the most powerful moment that we could stand up and say yes to Jesus. Say yes to Him. And so I wanna give you these, these things as, as, as we um, wrap this message up. I wanna give you these things about the risk of saying yes. And I wanna help you to develop a yes in your heart. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to respond and I'm not going to get you up the front or anything like that, but I'm going to invite you to respond where you are. Might be through lifting your hands. Might, I don't know. You, you do an act of faith that is appropriate for you. But really what I'm going at is I'm going at where's your yes at? And the first thing that I want to say as I look at this story today and I want to teach you about having a yes to Jesus is this, number one, when God is moving you into a new place, right? When the Word of the Lord comes to you to move you into a new place, He'll provide for you in the place that He's calling you. He'll provide for you in the place that He's calling you. Now that sounds all kind of very Pentecostal, doesn't it? Because it is quite easy to kind of amen that bigger stuff. Right? And I'm good. Thank you for the amens. I appreciate it. You can do it more often if you like. Amen. <laughs> that was fake. Um, <laughs> that one was real. Anyway, let's leave that. Uh, it's going to be... But we can kind of talk this hyper stuff, can't we? Right? Where it's like, yeah, you know, God's going to provide for me. Part of the thing that we need to detox from if you've been in church for a while is that we've boxed in what God's provision looks like. And maybe you received a miracle in one season in one way, but God's gonna do it for you in this next season in a different way. See, Elijah doesn't go into this season looking to the sky for ravens. He goes looking to another place where provision seems impossible. <laughs> and if you're not cool, see, this is the risky business part. If you're not cool with this idea of you're going to find yourself in some jams at time where you don't have a solution within yourself to make it through, risky business because it is in that place. Don't let religion lie to you and say that you're going to be 100% certain about faith. You're not. That's not faith. Faith is about taking a step, living in the zone of risk, right? 
I'm not talking like you go out and try and walk on water. I'm not talking about those sorts of things. I want to couch this in wisdom. I want this to be, I, I want the filter of this to, to be done in community. Don't go quitting your job because Pastor Matt did a sermon about taking risks. That's why we're in community, right? That's why we are in family together because iron sharpens iron. We're not just just kind of like, you know, selling the house and doing this and move, and whatever the case might be for you. Maybe, maybe you are, but it's done in the right context. You know what I'm talking about? But at the same time, I'm trying to help you to understand that God's voice, God, uh, Elijah isn't looking for ravens when God's sending a woman. Remember, fast forward a couple of thousand years and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Pharisees are inside the church praying for the Messiah. But the voice of God, the very voice of God, Jesus, looked different to how they expected. They were looking for a raven, but he was outside of their doors being led to being crucified on a donkey. And we've got to make sure that we don't box God's voice into being something and have an expectation that He's trying to speak to us in a certain way that He's not speaking in this season. Are you with me? When, when God is moving you into a new place, He'll provide for you in that new place that He's calling you. Matthew chapter 6, 33. Seek first the Kingdom of God. And all these things, what are all these things? They're all very natural stuff things. They're about clothes and the lilies of the fields. They're about birds and where they get their food from. They don't worry about it. They're about these very natural things that you and I as humans created in the image of God need to live our lives. And Jesus says, as He teaches the disciples, don't be worried about those things. Instead, seek first the Kingdom of God. In other words, what's He trying to say is don't let those natural things things be the measure of your yes. Don't let those natural things be the thing that determine your yes. You don't need to be worried. You don't need to live in anxiety. Don't try to work out where the provision's coming from before you say yes. Are you with me? I think this is pretty good. I mean, I'm encouraging myself. (laughs) Don't try to have it all worked out before you have a yes to Jesus. The provision always follows the yes. It's the yes that unlocks the provision. I remember when, uh, when I was dating Alicia 45,000 years ago and um, my pastor at the time said, Why, what are you waiting for in getting engaged? And to be honest with you, you know, you can spiritualise a little bit. Well, you know, just waiting on the Lord to... He said, no, what are the practical reasons? I said, well, money. I was working, I think, at that time, probably maybe two or three days a week at the church. This is going back in, like, early 2000s where it's like your pay is like a box of shapes. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Barbecue shapes. At least you got to choose the flavour. And... um, and, uh, And he challenged me. He said, well, if money is the only thing What does that say about your trust in God around finance? Just a very practical thing. Your yes needs to come 
regardless of what's happening out here. We see that this woman, oh, let's do this. God's calling me to, you fill in the blanks, whatever that might be. God's calling me to, um, to go to Uganda. God's calling me to start this business. God's calling me to serve in this way. God's calling me to minister in this way. God doesn't consult your resources <laughs> when He speaks to you about your future. God doesn't consult your resources when He speaks to you about your future. So we've got to stop being anchored in the natural realm and be more heavenly than we are natural in those moments, right? Because look what the woman does. The woman's anchored in what's happening. She's anchored here. And look what she says in verse 12. She starts talking about what she doesn't have. As the Lord God lives. So it's like, I'll worship you, Jesus, but... (laughs) You with me? You're so quiet. You're like, yeah, because you need to hurry up and finish. Um, This is what she says. Look, I don't have bread. What she's saying, I don't have. I don't have bread. I only have just a handful of flour. If you look at the bin, that flour filled that bin but I only have a handful of flour left. What makes it worse is we're starting to cross this line of the two main things that I think keep us from having a yes in our heart and it's provision and people. And she's got both happening at the same time. She's like, I've got one last meal to feed my son. And we know, because if you keep reading, you know there's something up with the son. Because in the next story, the son dies. Provision and people. And so I've only got a couple of sticks. I've only got little oil. And we've got to stop speaking the language of lack. Now, for those of you that might be listening this online or whatever, we are not a blab it and grab it type of church where we just kind of say, Mercedes, Mercedes, Mercedes. And if you say it 10,000 times, because that's, you know, you've got to do things 10,000 times, then it appears in your We're not that church. We don't believe it. But death and life are in the power of our tongues. Words have power. I found out my dad lives in Bali at the moment and I found out that, um, and I'm just wanting to be transparent today. I found out out last Sunday via an email from him that he got COVID. He's been smoking for a long time. He's not in the greatest shape um, and probably has a few other complicated issues. And what went through my mind, can I just be honest with you today? What went through my mind was if anyone's going to die of COVID, my dad's the perfect candidate. And so I came out of my office from that and we had some people over. We were doing a baptism service at our house in the, in the pool out the back. It was fun times. And we were just chatting. And I said that to someone. And um, I'd love to say that the Holy Spirit came upon me straight away and said, Matt, you know, 
something happened and I fell down under the power or something like that. But to be honest with you, it was the voice of the Lord through my wife. Now it's gone quiet. (laughs) You can't say that? She starts preaching all my sermons back to me. Your words create worlds. I'm like, I'm going. See you later. No. And I had to ring up to and apologise. The Lord put it in my heart to someone else that was a part of that conversation. Why? Because I want to rest my words. I don't want to be someone that is speaking lack. I want every, so every part of me, you're seeing what I'm trying to show you, every part of me, I want every part of me, even just a little thing. I rang this person, I missed them, got the husband and then, um, you know, got a message back saying, it's all good, you know, don't worry about it. Didn't even think about it sort of thing, no problem. But I want every part of me with a yes to the Lord. When that thing comes up on Facebook or social media or I don't know what the kids are using these days. I'm looking to the wrong people. (laughs) TikTok and, you know, they've all got the weirdest names. Anyway, someone needs Snapchat, all these sorts of things. I want you young person or whoever you are, older person, I want you to realise that you're positioning your life to be exposed to things that you shouldn't be exposed to. And you've got to have the strength inside. You've got to have a, more of a yes in your heart than you do to Jesus, than you do a yes to the things of this world. The things of this world are extremely luring. That's why we all want to be like famous people. Being honest. Maybe not all of us, but do you know what I'm saying? That's why there's this pull inside of us to conform to the image of the world. That's our sinful nature speaking. So we've got to stop speaking the language of lack. Why don't you jump up, Kelf? Always makes me finish faster. When God gives you a word, I want you to um, think about this too. When God gives you a word, you need nothing else. When God gives you a word, you need nothing else. What you don't have is not an excuse for disobedience. When I was 15 years old, I didn't have much. I came from a broken home, came from a pretty poor house. I remember my brother and I wrapping our own toys to give to each other at Christmas in newspaper. Mum did an amazing job. She was annoying. She was, she was painful because she would drag us. Sorry, I just talked like that, just keeping it real. She would drag us along to church every single Sunday and we didn't like it, to be honest. It was a little community church like what we've got here. Didn't have all the glitz and the glamour of other churches. But she was committed. So she would just take us in and out. It was in, in Papri. You know Perth, so it was in Pabri. The church was in Mullaloo. Yes, that's a name. There's a lot of weird names in Perth. One of the suburbs is called Inaloo. Where do you work? Inaloo. Mm, that's awkward. Are you a plumber? No. It's a long story. Keep moving. <laughs> Mum would take us there. I grew up pretty estranged from my dad 
lots of disappointments as a child. Waiting at the, every Saturday, every weekend was his time with us. There were many more weekends that he was meant to be there that he just didn't show up. And as a young kid, we'd gone wait up the end of the street for my dad. Don't get sad, I'm not trying to pull heartstrings. I'm just trying to let you know, I'm building this up into a really good story. <laughs> but we didn't, didn't have much. Mum's amazing, shout out Jan if you're listening. We couldn't even muck around in kids' church, to be honest, because for a season there, she was the kids' church leader. These are the days before iPads and Nintendos and projectors and stuff like that. This is like where we saw Mum's devotion to Jesus through going down to the newsagent with the little money that she had. It was called, um, and, and buying coloured card. And the words for the songs were on the colour card that she had done so nicely. And we weren't learning through like apps and stuff like that. We were learning through like felt board Jesus. Felt board Moses. Come on, somebody. Felt board David. <laughs> and it was always on the green felt background, which was completely out of context because it was a desert. And I got confused theologically, still am. What is this place? How come David and Jesus look identical? <laughs> They're the same person. Anyway, I was 15 years old. Full of inadequacies. But over a se- I don't have one of the stories where it's like on this date, July 24th at 7pm, I went down the front. I just remember a series of yeses in my heart. As a 15 year old, I said yes. And when I said yes, it was, it was an everything yes. Everything. If it means new friends, as a 15 year old that's looking for identity and popularity and fulfillment in those places, if it means new friends, if it means no friends, Lord, it's still a yes. Whatever it takes, getting into next week's prayer message. It's a yes. No matter what the cost, it's a yes. If it takes all my money, it's a yes. If it means my career takes a different pathway, it's a yes. Means sacrificing now. It's a yes. When God gives you a word, you don't need anything else but that word. <laughs> All you need is that word from Him. The word of the Lord. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord will stand for. have moved countries and houses and left family members all on the sake of a word. You're sitting in this room. People have abandoned careers and laid down their life for the cause of Jesus. 
to see Jesus glorified in their life and their children and their children's children, all because of a word. And when the lies of inadequacy come, you know what those lies are? I don't have enough. I'm not good enough. I don't have enough. I'm not good enough. And I am, I'm not enough. When those inadequacies come, inadequacies start lying to us. They cannot anymore be an excuse for our disobedience. We must look heaven bound. We must look to what the Spirit of God is doing. We must as a generation have a radical yes inside of our heart for the things of the Lord. We must up we must in this time rise up like never before and be radical followers of Jesus. We must be the people that have in our heart, Oscar, the people that say, you know what, Lord, whatever it takes, I'm yours. This passionate pursuing of His presence and His purpose in our generation. Because on the other side of your yes is the things that you're waiting for to happen on this side. When you have, when God gives you a word, you need nothing else. So how about it? How about a yes? You know, in the second row here, we've got Gavin and Trish. Gavin just got back from a month in Uganda. How old are you again, Gavin? I forgot. Gavin, 76. And he got on a plane in this climate and flew to Uganda as a missionary to bring the Word of God. 76 years old. And if you talk to Gavin, he'll be like, mate, I'm just getting started. He's trying to go back to Uganda in another month or so. And when Gavin said yes to Uganda, because I know this personally, he didn't have the provision worked out. He just had a yes in his heart. And so if you're waiting for the provision, because we live in that tension, don't we? I've gone long, I'm sorry. I just so feel this moment. We live in that tension, don't we, of like we're in the now, but we're also believing for the not yet. We live in the tension of the prophecy, but the here today. <laughs> we live in that tension of the crucifixion and the resurrection. And what I'm imploring you to do, and I believe it's God's voice to you right now, is saying even in that tension, will you still say yes? Some of you, you've done Bible college, you've done all sorts of things over the years. You've thrown yourself at altars in the past with a yes in your heart. But the fire of that yes is just a small flame right now. And the Lord, through the sound of my voice, is saying now, it's a new season of yes for the church. Will you give me your life afresh? 
Will you say yes? Come on, let's stand up. We've got to close. I don't want you to so much today really focus on, um, on what the Word of the Lord is. Because I pointed out early in my message about three hours ago that the, the, um, that the Word of the Lord came to Elijah. You can't create the Word of the Lord for yourself. In fact, the Bible teaches us in John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the Word. And verse number 6 says that the Word was, well, the Word was with God and the Word was God. And verse number 6 of John chapter 1 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so the Word of the Lord that I'm inviting you to say yes to is not maybe like what Gavin had to go to Uganda. The Word of the Lord that I'm inviting you to say yes to is the Word. The Word. The Word of the Lord. And His name is Jesus. So come on right now. I don't want us to focus on the specific Word. I want us to focus today on the Word of God. Jesus. Come on, that's where it starts. It doesn't start with a yes to Uganda. It starts with a yes to Him. Lord, whatever it is, yes, we say yes. We say yes. Come on, just respond in your way. Worship team, why don't you come? We're just going to spend two, three minutes. Then I promise you will be gone. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We say yes to you today, Father. Come on, if it's lifting your hands, if it's getting on your knees, if it's writing in a journal, if it's getting out of your seat, whatever it might be, just say yes to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.